The reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning at the first verse. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parable, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive my word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries and pleasures and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. No one lights a lamp, <coughs> Sorry. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. This is the word of the Lord. Invite Ben and Bethany up. I'm going to pray for them. Is that what you're expecting? 
Yeah, okay, good. You're expecting to speak. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you before you start, because um, I think this is a really important message for everybody to hear, and I think, um, you know, this, we should pray. So <laughs> let's pray. You need to, one of you needs to come in. Everybody can see. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Bethany and for Ben, and I pray now that as they speak to us, your word would penetrate our hearts, that we would hear from you. Would you anoint them as we speak? As they speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to try and do this in a bit of a tag team style, so please bear with us. It's hard <laughs> enough preaching by yourself, but when two of you are preaching, it's equally difficult. Uh, and we've been given quite a big brief in terms of preaching to follow the sermon series. Sorry, my mic keeps getting caught. Uh, preaching to follow the sermon series and giving vision as well. So this is vision light, and then you'll kind of we're going to follow it up with some more vision uh, as we go. But we're excited to be able to share with you some of the heart, some of the thinking, some of the uh, planning that has gone into the vision for the children and the families and the youth. Uh, and we're excited to be able to do, do that with you this morning. But what we want to do before we start is just take a second and think about your own journey to faith. So how was it that you came to faith? Maybe you came to faith as uh, a young person, as a child, as a teenager. And who were the people that were around you when you came to faith? Who was it that helped to nurture, that helped to cultivate, that helped to call out that faith in you? I'm just going to give you a minute to do that as you call those things to mind. And so, as you think about those people, as you think about those situations, as you think about your own journey to faith, if you will allow me, I'm going to stretch the analogy of seeds and gardening to the absolute maximum of probably what is allowed uh, within this sermon. And in the same way with the seeds in the story, our vision is that all young people would come to know and experience the love that God has for them, that they would reach their full potential in him. If you allow me to stretch the gardening metaphor, that they would grow into their full bloom. We just went to Wisley as a family yesterday, looking at the flowers and their beautiful full bloom. And that's what we want for our young people, that they wouldn't just become you know, small little saplings, but actually they would grow into the full bloom of everything that God has created them to be. That they would become the original masterpiece that God created them and called them to be. That they would experience life and life in all its fullness, in all its abundance. And not just spiritual life. We're not just about training them to be really good at memorizing verses and praying really well, all those things. But actually, excuse me, actually we care about their emotional, their psychological, uh, their skills, their gifts, their hopes and dreams. In all areas of their life, we want them to come into full bloom to the glory of God and want to uncover and rediscover the original masterpiece that was there, that the world taints, that the world covers, that the world suppresses and pulls down. And this is a vision not for tomorrow, not for in 10 years' time when they grow up and become adults, but it's a vision for today. It's a vision for whatever age they are at, that they can grow up, they can be part of the church now, not just when they grow up. 
And at the... There goes my microphone. (laughs) And at the start of the Bible passage that we heard today in verse 1, it says that Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And as Ben said, we are wanting as many young people and children in Camberley to know Jesus as possible because that is what God wants for them. And in a way that transforms not just a moment, but their whole lives. Hence, a lot of our roles as children and youth pastors is us modelling our work off of what Jesus did. It's going out and engaging with our community. So going into schools, uh, having groups here like toddler groups, uh, youth cafe, which are primarily for people who are outside of the church, and having family events. We want to reach out to our community. And because of this, often a big majority of what we do could be summed up as seed sowing. So we're scattering seeds of faith in all of those people and those places. And then what a common hope in this is, is that we hope and pray that something said there uh, is a key moment in them coming to faith in their journey. And we hope and pray that in the future, perhaps a pin will drop and they'll come to faith. But actually, as we thought about this, and we thought about this sermon series, we want something better than just a hope that perhaps they might come to faith in the future. We want to do something better than simply seed sowing and wondering what could possibly happen. And so our vision for kids is to see them have the fullness of their faith right now. One of my favorite Bible bits, just a little bit further on in Luke 18, is when Jesus calls the children to him and says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to them today. So better than seed sowing is seeing those seeds take root and children come to faith, as opposed to sometime perhaps in the future. And in the passage, I feel like Jesus uh, gives us some pointers into how to do this. And so next, we want to focus on three different ways we can be intentional seed sowers. So sowing seeds, but intentionally, uh, so more kids can meet Jesus. And the first thing that we thought of in this, we felt leapt out from the passage, was creating the right environment for kids to come to faith. When you have a seed, what sort of things do you need for it to grow? Do you want to shout them out? What things do we need? Water. Yep. Soil. Good soil. Sunlight. Nice one. Yep. Those are the main ones. We've all been in primary school science, haven't we? (laughs) I remember when I was in primary school, we uh, did a little activity where we sowed some seeds and we put one pot of a seed on the windowsill of the classroom where there was lots of light. We put one under a desk and we put one in the cupboard. And sadly, the one in the cupboard did not grow. The environment's really important. And there was some research done recently by the Church of England that I thought was really quite helpful for my way of thinking about how to disciple kids. And it said that there's a perfect triangle of input. So if you imagine a triangle and there's a child at the centre, it said that you want to have a presence in their home, in church, and in school. And if there is that same message, gospel message, in each of those places, that is a really good way for them to uh, receive the message of faith and understand that it's not just confined to a context, it's not just something which one of us thinks, that it's a whole life thing and it affects their everyday. 
And that's why it's really important for us not, to be, not just to be present in church, but why me and Ben spend quite a bit of our time going into schools, doing assemblies, doing mentoring, which is what Ben and Joe do in the secondary schools. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I got to go into Crawley Ridge Junior School, and it's just so lovely how excited the church kids are that you're there. It's almost like they imagine you live at church. They're like, whoa, you're at my school? Like, no way. <laughs> it's so cool. But I think they're excited that you care about the context they're in during the week and giving their friends opportunities to hear what they get on a Sunday as well. And then, of course, there's the faith in the home part. And as our vision, that's something which we have been thinking is really important and something we want to grow in equipping people in how to disciple kids at home. Because obviously, that is the main place they are. That should be the primary place where they are receiving discipleship. And so we've made a few small steps in that direction with our Sunday sessions at the moment for the kids. They're now tying in with the sermon series to try and aid conversations after the service, to try and take what they learn, but take it out into their homes during the week. And another exciting thing I wanted to let you know about, it feels like a good moment to in the summer, is we're planning to do a family's day aimed at parents and grandparents or anyone who has a key role in the life of a child and their faith, their spiritual life. And so we're going to have a guest speaker run some seminars and do it here with some kids' provision just to look after them whilst we do that. But it could be a really good time for us to chat and think about uh, the ways we can be doing that uh, now. So that's coming up in the summer on a Saturday. So keep an eye out for dates for that. And so this three-way of input is something which guides us in how we use our time doing ministry uh, and how to create that environment where kids understand that it's not just for one thing, it's a whole life thing, being a friend of Jesus. And so one of the most important parts of how we intentionally sow seeds is how we prepare the ground. And that's what we see uh, in the passage this morning. You know, we've got to take time to cultivate the soil to make sure that the environment is right if we want to have a good harvest, if we want the work to grow well and for the young people to grow in their faith. And it's an important thing to note is that it's not the seed in the story that changes. The seed is always the same. The seed is the word of God and it never changes. It's unchanging yesterday, today and forever. The message that we carry is the same, but it's the environment that we're sowing into that changes. The challenge is cultivating the soil to get the best results today in the environment that we are in. And you see in uh, verse 5 in the passage that you get the seed that's left on the path. And it was a common practice, so I'm told. I'm not an ancient history agricultural expert. uh, (laughs) But I'm told that they used to scatter the seed and then they would plough it into the soil. And often they'd be left with footpaths that they would have to walk so they could plough. And the seed would be left on the footpaths and trodden on, and then the birds would come and eat it. So as we were preparing this, one of the things that we wanted to be uh, really intentional about is that we're not going to sow seed where we're not going to follow it up. So we're not going to plough and leave footpaths where seed has been sown but then isn't followed up with something else. So we're being really intentional in all the things that we do, that if we do one big off event, there's always follow-up underneath. It's never just a, wow, let's do a big uh, Halloween party, for example, but then never speak to those kids again. There's always the follow-up of, come to this next thing, there's this other thing happening, why won't you come and join us for that as well? 
And lots of the things that we do uh, interrelate. So, for example, we just started Youth Cafe on a Wednesday, which is kind of an after-school group, and the aim is the, making the transition between primary school and secondary school better. Uh, and just the other week, uh, Bethany uh, and I have been partnering on it, and we've been there together. And we were speaking with a group of young people, and then the very next week, Bethany was in the school leading an assembly. So she was following up those seeds that we've begin to, begun to sow at Youth Cafe. So we're not just a one-hit wonder. We're not just doing things and then leaving those seeds to be eaten by birds. The next type of soil you have is the rocky ground. So apparently the ground, again, I'm not an agricultural expert, so please don't shoot me if I get this wrong. Uh, but the soil that, they, that Jesus is talking about, that they were sowing seeds into, had a kind of limestone layer, 9 to 12 inches below the soil. So all the water used to get trapped and the seeds would grow really well to begin with because they'd get this burst of growth and energy and life as they were lapping up all of the, the nutrients and the, the water that was there. But as soon as the sun comes up, that layer of water really quickly evaporates. So in the same way, we need to be continually investing in our young people and watering the faith that's begun to grow. So it's that sense of repetition, of rhythm, of pattern, of sowing into their lives time and time again, of watering those seeds that have begun to grow and develop. And the, uh, the other type, you've got the thorns. So apparently thorns looked very similar to wheat. So when they were growing, the two plants looked really similar until it was too late. So suddenly when you realised that the wheat and the thorns were different, the thorns had really thick roots and they would go and they would siphon out the water and the food from the other plants. So before you'd had time to realise what was happening, your crop was dying because the thorns were choking it and they were taking stuff away. And so the question that we have is how do we protect our seeds from thorns? How do we protect our seeds from things that look good on the surface but really are siphoning the life uh, and the faith away from our children and young people. And that's why we have a real heart for whole life discipleship, because we don't just want to be sowing into one part of a child's life, but into their whole life, into every area of their life, and giving them a vision for whole life discipleship. So that when they, uh, for example, are a teenager, and they're going to a party, and there's all the temptations around them, actually we've equipped them to have whole life discipleship. You know, we've helped them to discern and have critical thinking around what's good for them and what's not good for them, so that they can know the will of God and apply it in all areas of their life, that they can think to themselves, you know, if you were growing up in my era, the what would Jesus do bands. <laughs> I had one on my wrist at uni for ages uh, of just thinking, what would Jesus do in this situation? So we don't just want to build disciples that can hear memory verses and repeat them, actually disciples that can discern the will of God, discern what God might want for them in each situation and be able to apply it. So giving them a vision for the whole of life uh, so that something that they're willing to, to sacrifice for, something they're willing to give up for, something they're willing to die for, not just to kind of learn this memory verse and repeat it and everything's going to be okay. Yeah, great. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> so we've looked at how to create the right environment to intentionally see so, how to cultivate the ground. Um, but our third section we've called going for growth. And so in all of these areas, all these scenarios we've described, we want to give the kids an opportunity to meet with Jesus. So how do we do that best? 
In the passage we've heard in verse 10, it says, though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. We may do stuff, but they don't actually get it. And something that's really close to both of our hearts and we shared quite a lot about at our vision evening last term is that we want God-connected kids over God-smart kids. In the Rachel Turner Parenting for Faith resources, which I think it's a book anyone who is a Christian should read, a parent or not, because I think it's really helpful in thinking about investing in others' uh, journeys of faith. But she says that in this country, for a long time, the emphasis has been on teaching and understanding and lots of very lesson-heavy things for kids. And they become very, very smart and God-smart, but they don't necessarily make that deeper heart connection. And so we want to give them opportunities to connect with God for themselves. And so in each of the things which they're doing, it's about intentionally thinking, how can we give them an opportunity to connect with God? And I wanted to share a few examples of things we're doing at the moment to do that. So on Sundays, for example, in our kids' groups, a lot of the weeks I've tried to move the prayer time forward in the session because I'm noticing we've added the more prayer time in, more of a time for them to spend with God. But even it being at the end of the session, it often can be the bit which is left off at the end. And it's very easy to do. I've done it. So moving that really to the middle of the session or nearer the start so that we're going, this is really important. In fact, I think that's the most important five, ten minutes, however long we spend. And in that prayer time, how are we equipping and encouraging the kids to pray themselves? So rather than us just saying a prayer and them all saying amen at the end, is it giving them a prompt going, would you like to pray for one of your friends? And then leave them to pray out loud or in their head, but trying to help them connect with God for themselves and know that they no longer need someone in that high priest role to do that. They can go up the mountainside themselves and pray directly to God. And then in assemblies, even, that's a different setting because those are children there who are, most of them, I'm sure, not from Christian families. But trying to, after we've done the application and teaching, have a couple of moments for them to reflect. I often say, if you'd like to, could you close your eyes? And then just give them something to think about which applies what they've heard to their own lives and follow it up with a short prayer. And I don't know what's going on in those kids' minds in those few moments. It could be not much, but it could be that some kids in that room are using that opportunity to connect with God. And so if we don't offer this space for them to do it, then it's not going to happen. And so in all of the things, even tots praise, even with the toddlers, it's more for the parents, but we light a prayer candle and we say, do you know anyone who you think needs prayer at the moment, who's unwell, who's whatever ties in with what we're doing? And then I'll say a prayer, but I go, can you think of that person in your mind? So we're trying to help people connect themselves with what we're doing rather than it just be a lead from the front thing. It says in the passage, verse 15, verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word of God and retain it. They hear the message, that's the God smart bit, but we want them to retain it and connect with it. That's the God connected bit. Now, no good marketing spiel would, uh, you've got to have the, the repetition of three. So we've come up with the simple's three Ps. There you go. That will help you to connect. So in all areas of the work we do, we want to help them to be a new creation in their person, in their perspective and their purpose. So the person is helping them to rediscover that, that original masterpiece that God's created them to be. So helping to 
unpick all the words that have been spoken over them, to take off all the burdens of things that people have laid on them, and helping them to rediscover the person that God originally created them to be. The perspective bit is uh, what we were talking about with the, with the thorns. So helping them to live distinctively for God, helping them to see differently, to be in the world but not of the world, and to see things through God's eyes, to have God's perspective uh, on the world around them and everything that they're doing. And then the third bit is the purpose. So I think often, uh, you know, when I was a child, Christianity is kind of taught as, you know, get your golden ticket to heaven... You know, as long as you're saved, it's fine. Everything after that, it's all right. But actually, we want to, be, we want to do better than that. They're not just mm. saved from something, but they're saved for something. So God has a plan and a purpose for their lives to fulfill his kingdom coming on earth. It's not just about get your golden ticket and then sit back and wait for the train to arrive. But actually, you've got a job and a mission to do now and for the rest of your life. So just helping them to discover their place in bringing about God's kingdom now. And so for that, they need deep spiritual roots. They need depth and maturity. They need resilience in their faith. Something that's not based on listening and repetition, but on that critical thinking that we were talking about. We want them to have a faith for themselves, not live off the faith of Bethany or I or Joe or their parents, but actually to own it for themselves, to know what they believe and why, and to live it out. For it to be a relationship, not a knowledge-based system. You know, they're so, it's so ingrained in them to learn things and repeat it so they can pass their exams. But actually, faith goes much further and much deeper than that. We want them to experience a relationship and a relationship of power, not just of knowledge. But also, we want them to be distinctive. We don't want them to get fooled into living the life of a thorn that suddenly you realize they're not where they thought they were. But actually, that faith is distinctive from the culture around them, that they think, they believe, and they behave differently. And with this in mind, this is the part where the trepidation and the fear comes. What role do we all have to play in helping our young people grow? I now sound like I spend all my time at Wisley, but I was at <laughs> Wisley the other day. And uh, they've got this new uh, uh, display about roots, uh, and I was blown away by the section on sequoia trees. I sound really geeky now, I love this. Uh, so the largest sequoia tree in the world is the General Sherman and I have to read this, I'm really sorry. It stands at 87 metres high and has a circumference of 34 metres. And it's about 3,300 years old, something like that. So for a little bit of perspective, this tree, if you've been to Woking since they built those massively tall skyscrapers, so the Hilton Hotel building, this tree is as tall as the new Hilton Hotel tower with a circumference of 34 meters so this inspired me a little bit to be like how on earth does a tree grow to the size of a skyscraper and be that wide some of these trees are so big they've literally cut tunnels through them so that you can drive through the tree because they're in the way of where you can drive so what's amazing about these trees is that obviously they're massive they are giants uh they but they take time to grow. They're three and a half thousand years old. You didn't plant a seed and then, you know, the next day suddenly this massive tree grew, although that would be both scary and amazing to witness. Uh, but they also need the perfect environment. So out naturally, they only grow in California in a very specific, I think it's about 200 mile wide strip. And that's because it has the perfect soil, 
the perfect weather system. It has the perfect um, height, I can't, altitude. Although I was like, what's the word for altitude? All those different things. It has the perfect environment. And the only way that these mammoth trees can grow so high is because the support comes from other trees. So they don't grow by themselves. They don't just grow off by their own little patch and just stand there and do their thing. Uh, but they grow in patches together. And more than that, they interweave their roots together. So their roots become intertwined. They share food. And that network of roots means that they're able to survive earthquakes. They can survive wind, fire, all those sorts of things. And it's because they've interwined their roots together uh, and because they're growing together side by side. And so we can be like those trees. We're not going to grow to however many metres high, but we can interwine our roots, our faith, our lives together and grow as a community to share spiritual food. So all of you have lived much longer than the young people have. You've been through and experienced things that they are yet to experience. And so we can share wisdom. We can share mistakes and lessons learned from those mistakes. There is a wealth of knowledge and experience that you can share with our young people. But not only can you share with them, but they can share with you because they have a wealth, a well of energy and vitality and new ideas and of untamed enthusiasm. They haven't been knocked and chipped by the the no's and the rejections of the world where they think, oh, that won't work. They just boldly go and do it. Oops, just almost ripped my microphone off. Uh, Threw it at Sophie. Uh, they haven't been chipped and tamed by all those things yet. Just ask a child to pray for someone. If you want a miracle, like a broken leg or something, you know, we kind of waffle on. It's like, if it's in your will, Lord, if you love this person, if it's the right thing, would you do it? You ask a child to pray, and the child says, Jesus, will you fix that broken leg? Because they have the faith that it's going to happen. Whereas in our heads, we're doubting it the whole time of, can he do it? Will he do it? Does he want to do it? And the child's like, it's God. God can do it. He's going to do it. And so we want to grow as a community. We want to grow together with interwined roots, sharing our experience, our spiritual food. You've been reading your Bible. You've been growing with Jesus for so many years. And you have that wealth of experience to share of, you know, this is how I pray. This is how I read my Bible. This is how I connect with Jesus. And so that's, what we, that's the vision of what we want to do. Mm. Awesome. And that brings us to our final thoughts, uh, which are not only just for us, as we've already mentioned, or even those volunteering for the kids or youth ministry. But if we want to think about how can we take care of that garden that is the future generation, we're all called to be gardeners. What are we going to do to not miss this moment and to invest in those kids and youth that are such a gift to us? Yeah. There's a saying that says, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. And so I'm going to reword it that it takes a church to raise a disciple. We have a great cloud of witnesses, both in the Bible, but here in this room as well. We all have incredible stories of faith to share with one another and with the young people. We need to walk alongside them and journey with the children and young people and to help them to hear and understand who Jesus is and what it is that he's saying to them. It's easy to walk away from a social club, but it's much harder to walk away from a family who you know loves you and is sowing into your life. We want to be a family journeying together, bound by the blood of Jesus. 
And we're in this together. Bethany and I can't do this alone. We're not superheroes. I haven't yet mastered the art of being in multiple places at multiple times (laughs) and having multiple conversations with different people at the same time, although it would be useful. And so you've employed us to be the Alan Titchmarshes of this world, I guess, (laughs) to discern what the right soil is, to discern where the right place and what the right time is to sow the seeds. But actually, we all have a role in sowing the seeds together. It's not just Bethany and I's job to sow the seeds. The young people need surrogate grandmothers, granddads, mums, dads, brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles, aunties, who are going to show faith and experience faith with them. People who are going to faithfully sow the word of God into their lives. We all have a role to play. The question is not if you have a role. The question is what is your role to play in this time? Yes, so we're going to have a song now. And during this next song, we'd really encourage you to pray and ask God, what is it? What is your role as a gardener? There are obviously clear areas of need always on rotors. I'm a couple down on Sunday morning, so if anyone would like to do that. We've got a pancake party coming up on the 1st of March. We need more volunteers for that, so it might be something really practical and you can fill one of those gaps. But also, anyone who loves Jesus can pray, and so praying for our kids and youth is really, really important. And perhaps even looking at the schedule of when our groups are on and going, actually, I know that Youth Club is on on a Friday at that time. I'm going to pray at the start of that group for 10 minutes myself and just commit to doing that each week as a pattern. Or it might be you're actually in a particular area right now where you have uh, calling you're a parent or you are a grandparent or you're really sowing into the lives of a particular child and how is it God's calling you to best disciple and grow them in the sphere that you are in and God has placed you in? Uh, to be important there. So we're going to sing now, and it'd be great if you could pray and ask God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would speak to us uh, during this next song, but also for the rest of this week, Lord, that you would be nudging us, uh, that you'd be leading and guiding us in what our role is in this time, in this place. Father, that you would help us to be sowing, intentionally sowing seeds of faith into the lives of the young people, into the lives of the children, the families in this place, Lord. Father, would you help us to sow seeds that are going to grow into mighty oaks uh, of faith, Lord, mighty oaks of righteousness. Lord, would you help us to, to go for growth and go big, Lord? Would you give us a vision for what that looks like? And would you journey with us? Would you walk alongside us? Mm-hmm. We ask this all in your name. Amen. 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 Amen.